listening to The Embodiment Project, a podcast exploring the multiple dimensions of people of color and all of the ways we embody our gifts in the world. How do you embody your highest self? This week on The Embodiment Project. So, um, I was just sitting in my car shaking all the time thinking, you know, what happened? What happened? You know, and I, it was like, your mind just goes like blank or something. I don't know. And How bad is it? Like, is he okay? And she, cause she didn't want to tell me over the phone. And she was like, no, he's got me, huh? Welcome back to The Embodiment Project. I'm your host, Danelia Arechiga, and today I am speaking with my dear mother, Corrine. After such an outpouring of love and support from folks who've listened to the first episode I recorded with her, which is episode two, I decided to ask her to come back to talk to us about her experience with grief and loss, specifically around the loss of her son, my brother, Ronnie Aragon Jr. In this episode, my mother shares with us some really intimate details of what that loss has been like for her. She shares her experience finding her son dead on the morning of her birthday. And I just want to give folks a chance to take care of themselves before listening to this episode. This was definitely a hard one for me and for her to record. And also the editing process, I I really was not prepared for what that would look like and feel like reliving these memories so vividly um, every time, you know, I would, I was editing. So so i hope that you're able to take something from this episode but again just make sure you take care of your heart when you're listening stop if you need to take a break if you need to but i do encourage folks to listen all the way through because my mom does share some really valuable insights as someone who has lost a child before we get into the episode i wanted to make a quick announcement to share a free webinar that I'm offering on January 24th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's taking place over Zoom and it's called Meditate, Activate, Liberate. And in this webinar, I will be sharing some tips for how to, how to cultivate radical self-love. A lot of people may think that because I have a podcast, that I don't have a problem speaking my truth, using my voice. But what a lot of people don't know is that I have been on a path to vocal liberation for quite some time. As somebody who has struggled with insecurities surrounding my voice specifically, I've come a long way through my own daily practices. And I'm going to be sharing some of those daily practices with you all in this webinar. So I hope you'll join me. You can find the registration link in the show notes page at daneliaarechiga.com backslash podcast. And I hope to see you there. 
Feel free to email me or message me on Instagram at the multidimensional mummy. I'm always happy to answer questions about any of the offerings I am providing as well as the podcast. Let me know how you're enjoying it. Let me know what you're liking, what episodes are resonating. And as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Until next time. I wanted to start by letting you know, today, the episode we did together is the most listened to episode so far. Wow. It's got almost 100 listens, which is pretty good for a brand new podcast. And because of how much people really enjoyed hearing you speak, I thought it would only be beneficial for everyone, including you, to bring you back and talk some more because I think you have a lot of stories that need to be heard. Um, especially around what you've been going through lately, which is what we're talking about today. We're talking about grief and loss. And I wanted to talk about your grief journey um, and share a little bit about what that has looked like for both of us. But I wanted to start by sharing that with you and thanking you for blessing us with the very first full-length episode, (laughs) which has been the most listened to episode and um i've also received a lot of people reaching out saying like i love that episode of you and your mom i love hearing your mom use her voice she sounds so strong she sounds like she has so many stories to tell and i think that's really powerful you know that like i could sit here and say mom tell me a story tell me about this tell me about that but that you get to share that with other people and then you know what they're doing is they're going home and talking to their moms, Mm -hmm. and they're talking to their grandmas, and they're asking them questions, and they're telling me this. They're saying, Mm -hmm. I went, your your episode inspired me to go talk to my grandma and ask her questions about her upbringing. I talked to my mom, and she told me a story she's never told me before because I asked her. So you're inspiring people. We are inspiring people to go and have these conversations with their families, too. Well, that's good. I'm like... I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't mind doing it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that. Um, and I also wanted to tell you, I haven't told you in person. I've said it on the podcast. I don't know if you've heard it, but I am really proud of you for all the growth you've done over the years. Because I don't know if a couple years back you might have been open to doing that. You know, I think that this. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I think that we have grown a lot together and separately. Yeah. And and I still have a whole lot more growing to do. I know that. I'm working on a lot of my things, but but we I I have hope because I see how much how far you've come. Like from the time I was a kid to the time I was a teenager to the time I was a new mom, like so much growth has happened for both of us. And I just want to name that. Because I know I'm not always the best at telling you what's on my heart. I could talk about you to other people all day and tell you how, <laughs> tell them how much I love you and how how much of a brat I am sometimes and you know, but but to tell you face to face that was really important to me to start this episode off that way. So thank you for letting me witness your own growth and for letting me be there for it and being vulnerable and continuing to teach me things that I hadn't thought about. And I hope that knowing how much you are 
inspiring other people. I hope that that helps you continue on that path of like sharing your truth, speaking, using your voice. I just wanted to to bring that in, um, to bring us in with that that message because I thought it was really important for you to know how much the first episode really touched people. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad too that um, I'm able to share with you and um, be able to use my voice because I've been voiceless for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I'm getting to that point where I need to make sure you guys know a lot of things, you know, that maybe I thought you couldn't handle before or that I just handle it for everybody and it's like you're you guys are adults now. You can you can deal with it. And I think too, I think of uh like my mom, you know, I used to um sit with her like before she died and uh, we we had a different relationship at that point because you know, she would tell me the stuff too that I didn't know or that you know, more details and, or I'd ask her stuff where before I wouldn't ask her stuff because I, I thought, no, I don't know. So now it, it gets to that point where I'm at that point now where you could ask me anything and I'll just tell you. <laughs> well, we're, def we're definitely going to learn a lot tonight. We're going to be talking about a topic that I think has been really hard for both of us. Um, I know in preparation for this episode, I was definitely stalling and dragging my feet because I was just so deep in my grief. I, I think I still am um, just with the holidays and COVID and just the feeling of isolation and not being able to see and be with people we love. And that feeling is so familiar, that feeling of wanting so badly, longing for someone so badly, but you can't see them. And that's because of our experience with death. So I wanted to ask you, what has this time being in the pandemic and stuff, what has, how has that been for you and what has it brought up for you? Because we weren't able to get together, you know, I, I have classes I used to go to, my compassionate friends and at church, one of the church, um, St. Bernard's, we used to go to um, monthly grievance meetings and talk to other people that have had losses and when the pandemic first happened I was like oh no I can't go to my classes now what are we gonna do so for compassionate friends which was a, a must that I, I needed to go every month I talked to the one of the ladies that's in charge over there and I told her well could we just get a zoom meeting or something just to you know talk to each other because we couldn't see each other, and and we we've been doing that, and everybody's been real responsive. The ones that have joined, they're really glad that we still have it. You know, to, are able to do something. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I I really haven't been doing too much, and we're just dealing with it. But um, it gives you a lot of time to think. Most of it's been positive, but you know you do get that every now and then. Uh, one day I. Uh, I woke up after a dream and uh, I thought, oh, I need to ask my mom something. And I go, oh, shoot, I can't talk to her. You know, and it was just like, because I was still, I guess, in my dream. 
and it was uh, about my my uh, grandmother. I had gone to visit her in the summer when I was like six or seven, and I was wondering why she let me go, you know, when when I was that young. And I never did find, you know, I never asked her because I, ne I never thought about it. And then after this dream, I was like, I wonder why, I, you know, I, I was able to do that. But um, I don't know. I'll, and my grandmother's not here either, so. But it was just a weird sensation where you can't ask that person that. And then I don't know if it was because we were starting to talk about that we were going to do this podcast about um, grief. I really hadn't had dreams about my son, but I, I actually had a dream about him one night. And um, he was calling me, he was going, Mom, Mom, like he used to call me from downstairs or something. And I would be like, why, you know? But it was just so, like, real. And then I woke up and I was like, wow, I don't remember if I did have dreams about him before. I don't think I remembered any of them because after he died, I really wasn't sleeping really well for like months. But if I had dreams, I didn't remember them. So I might have. But I'd wake up like real suddenly and I was like, but I couldn't remember anything, so I don't know. But um, for me to hear his voice, it was really, like, real. And then I woke up and I was just like, and I just had a smile on my face. It was just like, a, like a relief, you know, that you, you could remember something like that. Yeah. Because we don't have uh, messages from him because he would never leave messages. Or he'd just say, call me, you know, he wouldn't tell you a long story or anything. So that was really, so right now, I guess things have been coming up because we were getting ready for this session. And I was just like, I don't think I'm going to write anything down because I don't think I need to. <laughs> yeah. So. For people who um, don't know, which I don't know why they would, um, like the first episode you came with your note cards and yeah. you were prepared and was... you had notes. Um, but I think we had to do it twice, right? Yeah. So the second time you came in, you were more relaxed and you just kind of spoke from the heart. And I think that's what we want. That's yeah. what we hope to achieve is that it's not scripted, but it's just whatever speaks to your heart. You know, that's, that's what needs to be said and that's what needs to be heard today. So you mentioned grandma and you mentioned Ronnie. Do you want to share a little bit about what grief has felt and looked like for you in both of those situations or any other experiences you've encountered in your life as well? Well, I've gone to a lot of funerals in my life. My mom used to drag me to all her her friends and um, all our, our relatives that I didn't know or distant relatives. And so because of that, I think um, when my son died, I had never, never, never felt so 
grief stricken. It was like, I don't know. And the fact that I had found him dead on the floor in his room, not knowing, I mean, I, I had a suspicion he was dead, but I didn't want to think that, so. What, what gave you that suspicion? When I opened the door, I seen him just laying flat oh, on, the, on the floor. So up until the moment you opened the door, you had no reason to believe that he was... I didn't know what I was going to see when I opened that door, but I was afraid to open it. Do you think on some level you knew? I think so, but I didn't want to. And then I was afraid that I couldn't open it. Like, you know, that he had locked it. Because sometimes he used to lock his door. I mean, I, I would never go to his room or, you know, but you never know. I've always wondered about that, though, yeah. because, like, yeah, his room was always locked when he was in it. Yeah. He always wanted his privacy. And, like, why that day it was open? Yeah. Like, why that day? And then until, like, maybe, I think, weeks later or something, when I would think about that day, how, you know, what led up to that, it was, like, like a movie, you know, like something you saw on TV. It wasn't something that you actually were there. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah. It was on my birthday. Well, what led up to it was on Wednesday, the last day I saw him, he came home from work and I believe I was in the, in the living room watching TV and I saw him come in through the kitchen and he went up to his room. That was the last time I saw him. And he looked tired, you know, so I didn't say too much to him. And when he's tired, you know, <laughs> leave him alone, <laughs> let him be. That, that night, that was Wednesday, the 24th. And I came home late about nine. And then I heard his TV in his room and I went to the bathroom and I, I went to bed. So I didn't, you know, contact him or anything. And then the next morning I heard the TV still on. So I was just like, oh, I, I, I guess he's gonna stay home or something. So I went to work. After work, I uh, went to uh, have some drinks with my friends. For your birthday? Yeah, well, it was before my birthday, mm -hmm. but, you know, getting revved up for the birthday. Pre-gaming. So then when I came home, I heard the TV again. And I didn't think anything about it, but... You know. I was calling him to invite yeah. him to meet me, and he didn't answer. His phone went straight to voicemail. So I asked you if you had seen him or heard from him, because I was worried. Yeah. Because it was unlike him to not answer his phone. And I had a really bad feeling that something was wrong. And then you... I called... I called his girlfriend first to be like, hey, have you talked to him? And she said, no, I haven't talked to him. So I called you and said, hey, have you seen him? And you said that you had seen him the day before, what you just said. You yeah. know, that. And then I remember I asked you if I should get off the freeway and go check on him. And you told me no, to, that you'd check on him later when you got home. Yeah. Just do my thing. So I didn't check on him that night. And then in the morning, I remembered that his girlfriend had asked. So that's when I went to his room. 
and it was like at, because I had to be at work at 6.30, so it was about 6, 6 o'clock in the morning. And when I went to his room, I had a weird feeling when I was going to open the door, that either it was locked or something in there, you know, it was like something. And when I opened the door, I was just like, and I didn't have my phone on me, so when I saw him laying there, I shaked him and I tried to move him and he was just, you know, not moving or, or anything. So I ran to my room, got my phone, and then I called the 911. And then I was, I went downstairs to open the door so that they, they knew they could come in. And then I, I was like, should I stay in the room or should I go? But I had to wait for them and they came pretty quick. So then I let them in and then they, they rushed me to the other side of the hallway to the end and they go, could you please go downstairs? And they weren't there that long and they didn't even open up their, their, you know, emergency thing. And I knew that when they didn't do that, it, mm. and then I just called, um, my sister, because I was alone, mm -hmm. and you know I was like shaking, and I don't know what to do. And then they go, "We need you to stay out of the house," and I'm like, "What?" You know, and I I was like without a jacket or anything, and it was, so I got in my car. I go, "Could you give me my keys?" And I got in my car, and I called my sister, and I said, "I need you to come over to my house. Um, something happened to Ronnie." And, and she goes, okay, I'll be right there. And I said, um, I'm going to call the girls, but I don't want to tell them on the phone. So um, I was just sitting in my car shaking all the time, thinking, you know, what happened? What happened? You know, and I, it was like, your mind just goes like blank or something. I don't know. And, I had been calling you since yeah. like six because I was trying to wish you happy birthday. Yeah, because it was my birthday, so that was the. And I was still feeling un uneasy about mm -hmm. Ronnie, Something. and I was calling you, and you didn't answer. So I was like, "Something's wrong. What is happening?" And so I kept calling you nonstop, and then finally, Cindy answered your phone. Oh yeah, then that's when and she was there. She was already. like, "You need to come to your mom's house right now," and she wouldn't tell me why, and I was like. You need to tell me why right now. Like, I was already, like, upset because yeah. I already knew something was wrong. Um, and she was like, something happened here to Ronnie. You have to come here. And so and I was like, how bad is it? Like, is he okay? And she, because she didn't want to tell me over the phone. And she was like, no, he's gone, mija. So then I turned around and took Corey to school and then came back. And then I was just like take my phone because people were calling like my mom was trying to call me for my birthday too and I would I didn't want to answer it you know and I was like I can't talk to anybody right now so I said just put a message on there that I'm unavailable I, I can't deal with the phone right now you know so it was just unthinkable of something happening like that and it was like so sudden you know it was like no warning. Yeah. For people who don't know, um, I just want to clarify that Ronnie passed away from 
a massive stroke. Um, so it was one of those things where there were some warning signs. Like he was having these really headaches. bad headaches, these like consistent migraines. And I remember him telling me maybe like a month or two before he passed away, when we went to the Dodger game, he had told me that he had been having these migraines and that he was getting it checked out. And he had told me that, I don't remember if it was a CT scan or an MRI, but he had gotten one or the other. Yeah, he was supposed to get an MRI, and but he didn't. He was supposed to go back for the MRI, but he didn't follow up. And yeah. he had said, he told me that it was because he was feeling better. Yeah, but that stopped. he But that he wanted to that he was supposed to go get it done. And I've always struggled with the idea that, well, like, what if? What if he had gone? Would we have caught it? Would he have still been here? I don't know. And I, I've kind of tried to stop thinking that way because yeah. it just drives me a little crazy of, like, well, what if? But it happened. And I think for me, it, it's really hard to to know what to do or how to grieve or how to act or, you know, what to say to people when they lose someone, mm -hmm. even as someone who's lost someone close to them multiple times now with grandma gone. And I think there's different layers to our grief, right? Like there's, yeah, there's parts of us that miss a certain thing about that person or hearing their voice like you shared or, um, there's certain parts of that person we grieve. I think for you, you have a, a unique lens as a parent who's lost a child. I think what what it, what it happens with a child is parents aren't supposed to bury their children. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not a normal... Um, like a cycle of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the kids are supposed to continue on after their parents die, but when it does happen... It's just the parent feels like there's something I, I didn't do, you know, I, I didn't take care of them well enough or I didn't, I wasn't there for them, but, but it's not, it, it just, you know, there's accidents, there's, you know, different reasons. Like my son, I, I didn't even know he was having the headaches and I lived with him because he didn't share that with me because you know, he, and he had actually said he had gone to the doctors in May, I think, and got a a physical, and the doctor said he was okay, but other than that headache thing mm -hmm. that he didn't mention to me. Right. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's things where people forget to say a certain thing, and, you know, you don't find out till later. And it's the same thing if you... You have even a husband that was sick and he didn't tell you and then he dies and then, you, you know, you feel bad. Uh, parents with children that die, it, it's just a whole different thing. But it is, it's hard, like, to what do you say? And a lot of the parents, I think they say the best thing you could do is just listen to them talk about their children or, or say their name because you know, when when they're gone, no one says their name anymore. So if, if you could say their name and say things that you remember about them, you know, it, it, 
that brings smiles to their face. And it, you know, means that people are still thinking about them. I just miss them, you know, every day. But, you know, you try to um, remind the the kids, you know, the, the grandkids and the family members that, you know, he's, he, he carried a lot about his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to me that Corey sees videos of him and, you know, pictures and stuff and sees how much he loved her and the kids, you know, because, and us too, because she was little when he died. Yeah, she was three. She was three. That and grandma's death really opened up a conversation between us about death and about how natural death is. Yeah. Um, as much as, yes, like, it's terrible that a mother would have to bury her son, or any parent for that matter, bury, or for anyone to lose anyone of significance to them, you know? I think all levels of grief are valid. Yes. But... I often wonder, like, you know, I'm really big on talking to Corey truthfully about everything as much as I can, sex, you know, relationships, what have you. And death is just another one of those natural phenomenons that we have to talk about. Yeah. I think she saw me go through it, too, you know, in a different light. Yeah. Because I think that first year was was like really hard on me and you could see it in my face you could see it in my body you could see it in my the way I talked or not talked and even I think um, when when we had um, Thanksgiving for the we used to always share you know we're thankful for and those couple of years I couldn't even talk because mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything because it was so, you know, he wasn't there with us. He, he was, he was missing. I think with my mom because I did spend a lot of time with her. The last couple of years when she was sick, I knew she was tired, and you know she kept saying, "I'm just tired. I want to go with my mom." I'm, you know, I wish, you know, I. I won't have this pain and so she was I think she was like set me up you know to not be worried about her and I think that the time that I spent with her helped a lot so I I miss her a lot you know because I I used to go over there every week to visit her that was my weekly um, Sunday afternoon, but that 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 was a hard one too. And little by little, our family is getting smaller, <laughs> even though yeah. it's still growing. <laughs> what are some ways that have gotten you through all these these losses? I don't know. I just I think when when Ronnie died, like before, I used to be afraid of of uh, dying myself. And after going through such pain, losing Ronnie, I was like, you know what? Everyone's going to die. And when you die, you won't feel anything. So (laughs) you can't get any worse than that, you know? So I was just like, whatever comes, it comes. 
And I wouldn't say that Ronnie died for like, I think almost three years. I was afraid to say died, dead, you know, gone. I would he? say he passed away. Oh, and it's yeah. like, he's, he's not passing anywhere. He's gone. You know, it's like, and I think when I finally started saying that he died, you know, because that's like final, a final word. Mm -hmm. it, it was when I felt like better, you know, that I could say it, that I could deal with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think hearing other people, seeing how, how they dealt with, with their um, family members dying and they were able to make it, I was like, I think I could, I could uh, get there, you know, to that point. And it's a struggle every day. Some days you, you think about them, you know, for a, a second or a minute or whatever. And the other days it's like all day long. You remember the exact time when they died or on the anniversary. It's like, it's like, it just happened. But then you get through it, you know, and it's like, and and you try and remember the, the, the good times more than the, the sad ones. I like to say they transitioned. Because to me, and, and I do say dead and died sometimes, because like, yes, our physical bodies die. Like the body literally stops mm -hmm. working. It's dead. But I like the idea of transitioning because it's, they're transitioning into their next life. Yeah. Or they're transitioning into the spiritual world. Their spirit was always there. Their spirit was in them, but it's left their body. And now it lives on in other ways. And I know you and I have talked about this a few times, like just how we feel their presence sometimes. We know they're watching us. We're very aware that they're very much still around. But we have to be open to seeing them and to receiving them. And what I've noticed is that when I'm when my heart is so so heavy with grief, mm -hmm. it's not open to knowing that. I'm not open to seeing that. I'm not I'm just so I'm like feeling so sad. Yeah. And I'm grieving so hard and I'm just I feel it I feel like such a loss, you know. To me to me grief is like this intense longing for something that no longer is. It's like, that's grief to me. It's like longing for that, but you just can't get it because it's not there anymore. They're not there anymore. Um, and so when I'm in that place, I can't be open to the it butterflies that are always yeah. coming up to our mm -hmm. window and the hummingbirds that are always stopping by to say hello and all these like other ways that spirits connect with us I'm not going to see that if I'm just so in my hurt and I think there's a reason for that I think sometimes we have to be in our hurt to feel it yeah. to let it pass to, to move through it and then as it kind of goes away then we have to start taking care of ourselves and refilling our cups again and, and you know hydrating and eating well and, and bringing ourselves back to life in a way right so that we can enjoy the joyful moments, so that we can 
teach our children about praying to our ancestors and our loved ones who've passed on to keep their memory alive. Yeah. We replenish their memory in that way. And we're also we're also uplifting their memory when we grieve. Either way, whether we're crying because we're sad or we're laughing because we're telling a funny story about them, either way, we're speaking life into their memory. Yeah. So I believe that we're doing that today. I believe that that's why we're sharing this story. It's not only for folks to see what grief looks like to different people, but to also document their story, document their lives, even though they were cut short. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times the compassionate friends in your groups. What has that been like for you, that having that support system? It's been very helpful. Ronnie died in June, and I started going to the Compassionate Friends in, Ju- in July. And then I actually went to the conference that same month. And I just had to do something. And because I was so into this grief, I just I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I wasn't working. And I, I couldn't work if I really wanted to, I don't think. But I was off like two months, I think. All it is, is it's really sharing, like how people got through it. And I didn't know anybody. I had just started the group, so I was like new, new. And I didn't know what it was going to be about or anything. I mean, I know it a little bit, you know, they, they give you a pamphlet and show you there's classes. And you could go to any class and on different subjects. And so I just winged it, you know, and I went to a couple classes and I didn't do a lot, but it was just being around the people and the people were really friendly. I didn't realize it at the time when you get your name, um, your uh, name tag, name tag, that when you're a, a first or second year new member, they put a little heart on the corner so that other people know that you're, it's like your first year or your second year. And and so they'll come up and introduce themselves. So people were coming to me and, and asking me, you know, is this your your first time or, and you know, and they asked you like, oh, uh, and it says your son's name or your daughter's name. So you could, they go, oh, you, you lost Ronnie. And you know, you, they, they talk to you like, like they know you almost. And, and it was real comforting. But it was really, um, like I really needed that at the time. The only thing is, it's only once a month. And I could have used that every week, you know, at that point. But, mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that too, that they need to talk to someone or, or you know, find out how, how do they get through this. Because yeah. it's so um, painful and stuff. But... Uh, and, and that's all we do is like when new people come in, we just tell them our story and say, there's no time limit on your grief. There's no, you know, you need to get over it. Or you, we don't say that. That's not a good thing to say. <laughs> there's stuff you shouldn't say. And the best thing you could do is just say, you know, if you need someone to, to listen to you, just let us know. And that's the best thing you could do for somebody. And I think that that was really helpful to me, even though sometimes when 
when you're first into your grief, you don't want to talk because you, you can't say the words or and you can't feel it. I mean, in, enough to vocalize it. And, and they say, that's fine, you know, you, just being here, maybe, you know, getting what, what we went through and how we did it, maybe might give you some comfort on knowing how to, to, to just learn how to do it mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, a little. I think, yeah, I think modeling that is so important because we don't talk about death enough. Yeah. Know? That's why I mentioned Corey, because I'm like, it's starting to become a conversation where it's not a foreign topic so that the first time it happens to someone is not like shock like you have no idea what to expect as far as what grief looks like um and then we see that right in these types of groups where it's like your first time talking about death and not realizing maybe even other things that come up every time someone else dies like you mentioned it brought back memories of like your mom taking you to funerals and seeing a bunch of dead people that you didn't know Mm -hmm. like that can be traumatizing too. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about supporting other bereaved parents? Yeah, because at first I didn't want to share because I would start crying or because I couldn't vocalize what I wanted to say. And then when I did say what I wanted to say, I, I had a relief after. One of the ladies had said, I see, I see myself in you like 20 years ago when she had first walked in. She goes, I was just like you, I couldn't talk. You know, I didn't know what I wanted, but I needed to be here. And and, and I said, yeah, that's how I felt when I first came, but I, I knew I needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Because when I left, my, my heart was lifted with a little bit of that pain off. Yeah. And just by sharing to other people, you know, and, or hearing somebody else's and at first I was like oh no I don't want to hear that I don't want to you know listen to that but then when I was driving home I'd be like I think I needed to hear that because it makes me feel like I could be stronger just you know sharing the reason I asked is because it sounds like you are wanting more support like more often, you know, like you said, it's only once a month. That's the only downfall. So my question to you is, how can you fill in that gap yourself and hold space for other people? Like, what if you started your own group? Yeah, I, I was thinking of looking into it because you could um, do another chapter, you know, and they'll, they'll train you and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah. I've been going to some of these um, Zoom classes that they have training classes just to um, start getting familiar with them and seeing what you really need to um, do to get more involved. All right, I have one more question for you. And it's a question that I ask everyone on the podcast, which you've answered before, but I'm curious to see what's true for you today. So my question is, How do you embody your highest self? (laughs) My highest self? Yep. I don't remember what I said last day. (laughs) Well, that's the point is that it will hopefully be different today. Because there's so many ways that you embody your highest self. But how do you feel 
you embody your highest self? How do you live out in the world the part of you that feels the most aligned, the part of you that feels good, the part of you that is free of fear and judgment and shame and any other emotions or feelings that you carry in your everyday life the part of you that is that is not weighed down by all of that i don't know i think i'm still getting to that point we've learned new things and i think you're always learning and that's that's what um it either reminds you of stuff or or increases your knowledge and I think that's that's a good way of embodying yourself is knowledge and the more you, you learn or the more you even teach others that um, gets you to that higher point yeah so maybe like you are embodying yourself your highest self when you are sharing your experience with this grief and teaching others what it can look like in the future right like you went through these really hard times in the early years and that's not to say it's not still very hard right it's very hard every day i'm sure but you're giving other people hope that you can continue living yeah with this grief and still find joy yeah you could it, it... You know, I didn't think I could, like, those early days, I was like, it, it couldn't get this bad, you know, and, and I think that first year, a lot of, a lot of us have shared that um, in our group, um, that first year, you don't realize all the, that, that happened that year, because it's like your body and your mind were cushioning you. It's sort of like a, a gaze of, of what you went through because you're in so much grief. To deal with it, it like sh shields you from it or cushions you to the point where you don't realize you, it's like the first year is gone, you know, the second year is gone. But, you know, you're still in it, but it starts easing up a little bit so that you could deal with it yeah yeah that's true and a lot of the parents that said that, that they they felt that like the first year was like what did i do you know i don't remember doing that stuff i don't remember you know people tell you stuff and you're like i don't remember doing that it it's like, like you're in a fog yeah mm -hmm. and in a way it's good yeah because <laughs> you don't have to deal with it but it it it's like I don't know it's it's like you're maybe your your um, your child spirits helping you do not <laughs> have to feel it so much you know mm -hmm. they're on your shoulders and the, yeah well thank you thank you for sharing all of that I know that it takes a lot of courage to share such a tender part of your heart with us. But I really think that your message will help a lot of people in their own journeys.
who are also grieving children or just grieving in general and just knowing that there is hope and there are communities and there are resources to help help us deal with this because again it's a very natural part of life it's painful but we have to surround ourselves with community to get through it and sometimes that community doesn't look like our family or our friends sometimes it's strangers who just know what you're going through and then they don't become then they're not strangers anymore they become friends they become peers they become colleagues you know they become partners in your healing yeah and see sometimes too you think like the closest ones your family would be the ones that would be able to get it and sometimes they're not because they're they don't know how to deal with it yeah or i think too we're like we're we're dealing with we're grieving yeah we're holding our own grief and it's different than yours yeah i think too there's this idea that like someone has to be strong like someone in the family has to be strong to hold it together but i don't really believe that anymore i think we all have to feel what we're feeling yeah that's what makes us strong what makes us strong is being able to grieve in whatever way works and makes sense for us that's the thing is like it's not about getting rid of it no it's like almost like befriending it yeah and everybody's different Mm -hmm. so that's that's the one thing that that i realized you know hearing everybody's stories is is everybody does things differently and some people are religious some are not some are you know like and and nobody puts anybody down it's just whatever you want to do yeah and and that's how it should be you know you you're dealing with it on your own yeah however you find comfort yeah mm-hmm. i agree well thank you mom okay i appreciate you coming once again i did not anticipate having you back so soon but <laughs> With everyone's comments and feedback, I thought it would only be right to bring you back. And I think, too, because of just the season we're in, you know, um, the holidays were really hard. And it brought up a lot of grief for a lot of people. So I want to hold space in this container for that. And I'm hoping this episode will touch the people it's meant to touch and inspire them to continue on their healing path after grief. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I, I I appreciate you inviting me, and I really um, think it, it will help others. And I have no problem doing it. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. So. <laughs> All right, thank you. Okay.